It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Play ball! This is the Locked On Reds Podcast. I'm your host, James Erpine. Great to be with you on a Tuesday, gloomy Tuesday here in Cincinnati. A lot to get to. On Twitter, at James Erpine, at Locked On Reds. Thank you so much. For all the kind words on iTunes, I've gotten some emails, some nice feedback on Twitter as well. It's our 19th episode here on Locked on Reds, and, well, man, we are just nine days away from opening day. A lot of baseball to talk, a lot of things to to be determined between now and opening day, and this is going to be your one-stop shop if you're new to the podcast, your daily fix of Reds baseball. During the season now, in between, look, every single day you're going to want, and I, I get this, and this is the goal of this podcast because we're getting new and and more listeners every single day. And the goal is to give you something reasonably quick, 15 to 20 minutes on your drive home from work, on your ride into work, where you can figure out what the hell happened with the Reds because you didn't get to watch the game because you didn't listen to, you didn't get to listen to Marty Brenneman on 700 WLW. I got you covered and you're going to hear highlights in the game. We haven't run highlights yet. Why? Because it's it's spring training. I, I'm not going to lie. That's why I haven't done that. But you're going to have highlights. You're going to hear post-game interviews. All of that stuff. A lot of it I haven't rolled out yet in the plan simply because I'm not going to break down spring training for you. But you certainly want recaps of the games. We'll do that on the podcast. You'll get my opinion, which sometimes you're going to disagree with. And I love that. I love disagreements, baseball debates, so to speak which you can uh, also chime in as well, James Erpine at ESPN1530.com via email on Twitter, like I said, at LockedOnReds, at James Rapine. It's great to be with you today, and there are two things on today's podcast I want to get to. One is Billy Hamilton, and the other is Nick Senzel. Let's start with Billy, because we're starting with Billy because the Reds have started with Billy in recent years because he's been their leadoff hitter. Mark Sheldon, MLB.com, I'm reading an article from him, and Brian Price said this about Billy Hamilton. He said, quote, coming into camp, we're trying to define where the best place for him to hit. It's probably multiple spots in the lineup based on whether it's a left or right-handed starter. Wow, that's a typo there. Uh, Right-handed starter, and who's in the lineup on any given day. He said that on Monday, said that yesterday, and that's interesting it's interesting and then price went on to say this i'd like to have more guys on base in front of four five six batters i think there's going to be times when billy gets us gives us the best opportunity to set the table for the middle of the lineup and there's going to be other times where others are better suited to hit in advance of the middle of the order i love this i love this for a variety of reasons because yes is there times when billy hamilton in the lineup based on who he's going against, based on his history, where you say, yeah, we can get by playing him at leadoff. Sure. But if Price is being honest, if he's telling the truth, this means that he's going to be flexible with Billy Hamilton, which we really haven't seen. Billy Hamilton struggled this spring. No denying it, he's 4 of 33. 14 Cactus League games, hitting 121. 121. And... While I'm not worried he's going to hit 121, I'm worried about his on-base percentage. I'm worried about what he's going to do 
if he has to lead off for this team again. Because if you got a guy leading off, it's getting on base. On base, 29% of the time, that's a loss. That's a fail. And it's getting you behind the eight ball. And so I think this is big news because the, the reason in one of the more interesting things, and I, I talked about this, it was one of our first podcasts here on Locked on Reds, was Billy Hamilton and how the Reds manage him. Because I think he is what he is. In this offseason, Barry Larkin, Lou Pinella, and a bunch of people have worked with him. And Price acknowledged that. He said, we've challenged him with a lot of theory. We're really trying to maximize his talents. There has to be a period of marination of all the things he's trying to bring to his game. I would love for all of it to marinate. I would love for Billy Hamilton to be this guy that gets on base 34% of the time, that hits 270, and he's on base, running, stealing bases, making great plays in the outfield. But the bottom line is, is he's probably not that guy. Maybe he does become that guy. Maybe the pressure of hitting leadoff all the time, uh, absolving him of some of that might help as well. Who knows? Here's what I do know. I wanted one of the things I wanted from Brian Price going into this year was him to be flexible with Billy Hamilton because I love Billy Hamilton. Look, after his rookie season, I said I was really worried about his durability issues, and then I saw that he could be really good with the glove in the outfield. I saw that he could steal bases, and I thought his hitting would come around because I thought he would get stronger. I thought he might get a little thicker. I thought he would kind of grow up in, in into a, not that. He isn't, but by professional athlete standards, I thought he would grow up into a man and fill out a little, and he hasn't. I thought he would improve maybe as a, in bunting. I thought he would improve his hitting, and that hasn't happened. I bought a Billy Hamilton jersey after his rookie year. I was like, man, most exciting player they got, and it's it, nowhere to go but up. And in 2016, it felt like maybe Billy Hamilton was getting a little better. I think he got on base. I'm, I'm spitballing here. I think it was 32% of the time. And then it dropped down again last year to 298 on base percentage. So to me, having flexibility with Billy Hamilton, it's exactly what I want. That's exactly what I want to hear. And the fact that Brian Price said it, <clears throat> excuse me, I hope that's the case. I hope he's flexible. I, I don't want to see Billy Hamilton leading off all, every day. Jesse Winker. I think he should lead off sometimes. Jose Peraza, fine. Let's see it. Because ultimately, I don't know if Jose Peraza is going to be this long, the long-term answer at shortstop, and I don't think he is. Based on what I've heard about a guy we're going to talk about in just a minute, Nick Senzel, based on the Eugenio Suarez deal at, at the third base spot, I think Jose Peraza, he's got a lot to prove this year. Why not give him a chance to do it? Maybe establish himself as a lead-off hitter. I'm James Erpine. This is the Locked on Reds podcast. Make sure you check it out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. I didn't lead off with that. We're also on Stitcher. We're on all of those platforms. And uh, please, please, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and check out LockedOnReds.com. The other interesting news of the day, I mean, I want to say this. This happened yesterday. Um, at least I, I, I think, yeah, I think news broke about that yesterday. Was it this morning? I mean, either way, Nick Senzel going down to double A. And looking at a story here, I got some quotes here from Brian Price I want to read you. But he's the number one prospect in the organization, seventh overall prospect by MLB Pipeline. And we had Jonathan May on a couple weeks ago to talk about him and, and a bunch of other of the Reds prospects in the farm system. That's a good podcast. 
because Jonathan was really, really good. Go back and listen to that if you haven't yet. You'll hear uh, a cut from him in just a second here on Nick Senzel. Ultimately, it says a couple things here. Eugenio Suarez is locked in at third, right? Nick Senzel was going to be the third baseman to be, right? He was going to be the guy maybe next year, maybe mid-year this year. Maybe they trade Eugenio Suarez. The fact that they extended Eugenio Suarez tells me they like what they've seen from Nick Senzel at shortstop. And if that's the case, and they like what they've seen from him at shortstop, they probably, and they were going to send him down anyways, but they probably feel so good. Get him down there. Let him develop at shortstop. And if Jose Peraza flops in this year, you're not confident in Jose Peraza. It sounds like Nick Senzel might be ready to go and, and contribute at a big league level at the plate, a big league level next year, maybe late this year. So to me, I love that they sent him down. He wasn't expected to d- debut for the Reds by any stretch on opening day. But I think he's closer than a lot of people realize. Let's read a couple quotes here, um, and then we'll hear from Jonathan Mayo on Nick Senzel. First, Brian Price said this. He showed the ability to move around the diamond. Talking with Freddy Benavidez, which is the infield coach, he was really excited about the developments he made at short. I think we already are highly, uh, think very highly of him as a third baseman. Senzel said he knew it was coming. It was just a matter of time of when. It was a great first big league camp. I got a lot to learn. I got to learn some new positions, and I'm finally starting to get a normal routine with playing nine innings and getting geared up to start the season. He will be at AAA Louisville. I might have said double A earlier in the podcast. I meant AAA. And he's expected to play second base, and he didn't play at second base uh, in the spring spring games at all. So that'll be interesting. Look, if he can play short, he can play second. So I like the flexibility it gives him. Senzel said it would be another transition, but I don't think it'll be as dramatic as the one from third to short. It'll be a pretty smooth transition. I agree completely. And take it from me, right, or whatever. I played second base in high school, and then I got moved around to third and short, and it's high school baseball. Second is the easiest position out of those three to play. I mean, there's no denying that. So Nick Senzel, to me, this is good. And and I listened to – I went back and listened to what Jonathan Mayo had to say about Nick Senzel, and I asked him two things. How good can he be at the big league level? And and the other question was simple – does he think that Nick Senzel can be a competent major league everyday shortstop? Here's what Jonathan Mayo of MLB Pipeline had to say. He would probably be okay at shortstop. Uh, he would make uh, you know, all of the, the regular plays. I mean, he's a, a plus defender. The hands and the arm all really, really work. He runs well, you know, so the range is okay. He's just not your prototypical shortstop. He's a little too big. Um, and I don't mean tall. I just you know I think eventually he's not going to be quick enough uh, to play uh, to play short. If you wanted him to play there now or the next couple of years, you could. I mean, there are guys who've done it. Uh, the Cardinals, you know, certainly have used a, a string of of shortstops that don't really look like shortstops. That they're steady, but they're offensive performers. And and Senzel is more athletic than any of those guys. So I think he could probably handle. Plus, he's so heady. He's got such a good head on his shoulders. I think any challenge he'd be fine with. But I mean, the bat is just ridiculous. He's one of the best pure hitters in all the minors. Uh, he's going to hit for a very high average. He's going to hit for power. Uh, you know, 
he told me he's going to hit 300 with 20 plus homers every year. I, I can believe it. Um, I didn't think he's that good. Uh, and he's not that far off from, from being able to, to show he can do it at the big league level. So that's good reviews there. Good reviews there from Jonathan Mayo, MLB Pipeline. Go back and listen to that podcast if you haven't really good insight on the Reds farm system. And then here's the other aspect of this. I was on Reds.com, and I'm on this, um, I'm on their page here looking at this article, and it showed the, the MLB's 30 clubs in 30 days, and the guys talked about Nick Senzel. And this was when – it was rumored that he was going to try shortstop, and they questioned that. But here are those guys from MLB Network discussing Nick Senzel. It's funny. I was talking to their farm director, Jeff Gropp, and he, they're basically looking for ways to challenge Nick Senzel because it seems strange to say, but a guy who was the number two overall pick in the draft has been better than they thought he was, which is crazy. I mean, we all knew he was maybe the best pure hitter in that draft, but he's growing into the power like everybody thought he could, but it wasn't certain. He's a better runner. He's a better athlete. He's a better defender. Basically, every challenge, they've moved him aggressively. Every challenge they've thrown at him, he's handled with aplomb. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, you know, they don't have a spot for him right now on the big league club because Eugenio Suarez had such a good year last year. But he, I think he's capable of playing in the big leagues right now. So I think this is a way to throw something a little different at him. They're trying to, you know, I don't know, give him a little taste of adversity because at some point... Can he play short, though? That's a question. Can he play he, short? I, think, he, I don't think he'll play short on a regular basis in the big leagues. Maybe he can. And the part that I liked uh, about that, and that's on Reds.com and MLB.com. The, the part at the beginning there where the Reds were challenging him for different aspects of his game, and, and obviously they are. They're moving him from third to second and, and obviously shortstop. If he succeeds at all three of those and shows he can be competent at all three, you got yourself a ball player. <laughs> like not many guys can go third, short, second, and be really good at all three, right? Like really good at all three. And so far, Nick Senzel, I think the Eugenio Suarez contract extension, I think what they've seen from Senzel at the plate in spring training, he was 8 of 28 in 15 Cactus League games. That's 286. And Brian Price raved about this. He said, as far as strike zone discipline, his feel for the game, his instincts on the bases, everything to me was really, really good. It was an outstanding effort in everything he does, from his early work to his game prep to his game intensity to how he runs the bases. Nobody here is disappointed at all in any part of his game. Now it's a matter of getting the reps in that he's not going to be able to get here. Perfect. Perfect. You see the potential. You see it flashing. That is our number one prospect. That is the number seven overall prospect. And, man, he flashed every single day. Whether we put him at third or shortstop and we think he's going to succeed in AAA, Louisville flashing a little bit at second base. That's what that shows. If they thought he was overwhelmed – like, I, I do NFL coverage, right? And I, I do the Locked on Bengals podcast. And one guy that could only play one, he's a great Bengal, one of the greatest Bengals ever, Chad Johnson, they put him at one spot. They didn't move him around because they knew he wouldn't have success doing it. The fact that Nick Senzel's so young, he switched positions, they're not spoon-feeding him. They're like, okay, third, well, he's succeeding there, but he might have to play short in the bigs next year. Okay, let's try him at short. Well, he's going to get the most reps in Louisville if you put him at, at second. That, that would make sense for, for everyone, for the team. Okay, let's do that. I think he can handle it. The fact that they think he can handle all of this shows me how they feel about Nick Senzel. And usually they say actions speak louder than words. The action of them moving him around, that's a good thing. That's a good thing because usually if you don't think someone can handle it, you take stuff off their plate. Andy Dalton. 
The Bengals have taken taken stuff off of his plate at times throughout his career. Year two, year three, Andy Dalton, usually when the great quarterbacks, and this is the first sign you knew he wasn't going to be great and they didn't think he was going to be great, they didn't hand him more. They didn't give him full reign. He, he wasn't Peyton Manning at the line of scrimmage. He wasn't that because they knew he wasn't that. I'm not saying Nick Senzel is going to be a Hall of Famer, but the early returns of they're giving him this and they're throwing all these, per, they're, they're trying to challenge him and throwing different positions at him and making him play different spots, that's good. Billy Hamilton, another example. We talked about Billy for eight minutes on this podcast. They're trying to spoon feed him information, they're not feeding him more. They're spoon feeding. Oh, here, here's how you, here's how you do this. Let's improve this, Billy. Let's get your on base percentage up a little bit, because they know he's just eh. The last thing that I think about when I'm thinking about Nick Senzel is eh, and I think the Reds feel that way too. I'm James Rapine. This is the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Still looking for writers. A lot of you have reached out, adding new writers by the day. Email me if you're interested. James Rapine at ESPN1530.com. Follow me on Twitter at James Erpine, also at Locked On Reds. Check out LockedOnReds.com where every single podcast is there. Also, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. And until tomorrow, I'm James Erpine. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.